Hello and welcome to Technically Speaking, a podcast where scientists and engineers come together to chat about a common interest, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Laura and in this episode I'm joined by Galia, Antonia and Ginwa to talk about plastic and whether it's a good or a bad thing. And I guess one of the reasons we're talking about this is a lot of talk about plastics in the ocean and in particular microplastics. Uh, And Galia, you work in the water industry, so do you encounter microplastics there? Well, just to take a step back, we use plastics a lot. We use it in our pipe work and and part of our treatment work. So it's something that we definitely use all the time. But when everyone else in the world uses plastics, um, sometimes that can disintegrate and that can get washed up into our water systems. And then that's when we have to deal with it. And you can find microplastics in less obvious places. So like the paintings on the roads, for example, you know, the stop signs and whatever, when it rains, that goes into our drains and then that goes into our water systems. But luckily, our current treatment works actually kind of gets rid of those. It's kind of an accident, but it's kind of worked out well in our favor. They get rid of most of the microplastics. So don't worry, like it's still safe and good to drink. But the problem that we have now is that, okay, cool. It's safe and good to drink. But we have the byproducts, we have the, the wastewater and the sludge, and a lot of that has got microplastics in it. And we're not dealing with it at the moment. We're not too sure how we can take out those microplastics and, and use it or recycle it or do something with it. So it just goes back into our environment at the moment. And that's kind of where we're like, Argh. we need the plastics to get through the treatment works and get through all the network and the system. And at the end, it's just like, ah, we have these microplastics. What are we going to do with them? So it's definitely something that is a problem but the water is still safe to drink and accidentally our treatment work is doing quite well with that. Good to know. So I guess the microplastics, you're saying they get there because things, certain things in different parts of human usage of things. I was going to say the environment, but that's not quite right. No. Um, they degrade over time. Yeah. Ginwai, you've got a background in chemistry, right? Do you have any thoughts about plastic degradation? Yeah, I think one should shed the light on the different type of plastic, actually, because not Every kind of plastic is producing the microplastic that you are encountering in the water industry. Uh, Galia, if I understand well, plastic, most plastics are synthetic and some of them are, bi- are biodegradable or bioderived ones. So the synthetic ones are either thermoset or thermoplastic ones. So the thermoplastic ones, we can melt them and reuse them theoretically, let's say, if everything is uh, going well. Uh, So these ones can be recycled, so they don't have to end up in the environment as microplastic. However, the thermoset one, we can use them only one time. And then when they are heated or exposed to sun or whatever environmental conditions, they degrade into microplastic. And this is all the ones that end up in the environment. However, this is just talking theoretically because in reality, we don't have one type of plastic use and usually plastic is mixed with additives and all sorts of things. So they don't end up being recycled Ah. and probably they end up in in the environment. And also talking about the biodegradable ones, which are now on a big trend. I think there's something that that should be I thought about that these biopolymers or bioplastic, they are modified to have new properties. And then when they are modified also, they may not be as biodegradable as they are in as a raw material. And then they may end up just being thrown in the environment and not recycled again. So it's quite 
a complex thing to think about. There's a lot to unpack there around how do you get the chemistry right for a particular plastic, for a particular application. And I guess we'll we'll get into the details on that. But uh, Antonia, your, your background might lend some more insight to this. Yes, just following on from Gimwa, we have a lot of um, plastic that is um, the type that can be recycled chemically, but logistically it isn't recycled and I think that's quite interesting so some statistics from the BBC and in a recent article from this year is 16% of plastic waste is recycled to make new plastic 40% is sent to landfill 25 to incineration and 19 is dumped so it's interesting that we use a lot of was it thermoset or thermoplastic that was recyclable thermoplastic yeah yeah it's thermoplastic that is recyclable yeah, so if I, if I just sort of run through some of the household um, numbers, so on, on the bottom of plastic packaging, you often see this little like triangle and inside there's a number in it. It is a labelling for what type of plastic was used. And in, in my local area in, in Manchester, notice one and two are recycled on the curbside. Three, four, five, six, seven are not. But three to six, they're actually um, thermoplastic. It's just we don't have the facilities to recycle them um, from the household. So, you know, we were told if we use these plastics, they could be recycled and they're not. A lot of people just assume that, oh, this is plastic. We can just put in the recycling box that that says plastics. I'm not sure how many people actually go through and like look for the number. I think most people just throw the plastics in the recycling bin and think that they're doing a really good job. Yeah, I've heard of this new... um, new terminology which is like an optimistic recycler or wishful recycler that they kind of hope that it will get recycled but unfortunately because it depends on what kind of recycling plant there is some recycling plants don't have a person sorting it because the person sorting it is best at picking out the right type and picking out things that are going to contaminate the waste stream so you know anything that's got too much food anything that's got a lot of mixed uh, materials like we were saying that often plastic is mixed with something else they got to pull those out as well you know uh coffee cups because they are coated paper can't be recycled in paper can't be recycled in plastic it's really it's hard as a, as a person who wants to recycle isn't it you you want you want to put it in but you really shouldn't because it'll make it, it basically they just dump uh, an entire bag if they see too many contaminants in the first place you know too many things that shouldn't be recycled in that particular stream it is more expensive for them to pick it out than to to go through with it and get a poorer quality material at the end hmm. yeah the one thing i find weird is plastic film a lot of my food so where most of my plastic waste comes from is food packaging and a lot of it is like plastic films like dried beans come in plastic bags and things like that Mm, and you can't yeah. recycle that, but from what I've seen, and it just it seems odd to me. I try and eat less meat, which means less solid plastic waste, which means more film, and then that's not recyclable. Yeah. So I think even like you know aluminium foil or tin foil, the advice is before you put it in your recycling bin to scrunch it up because when it's a sheet, it could just fly away off the off the heap. So I think that might be what happens to the plastic film as well. Yeah, that's what I'd read. They yeah, clog up machinery. The heavier stuff is yeah. easier to process. 
Mm. Yeah, I think the problem with the plastic is, as I said, when we have a mixture of stuff all together. So a thermoplastic by itself, it is recyclable. However, it's rarely used as it is. So there's always additive or ink or colors or whatever that, or a mixture of polymers that make it less recyclable. I think we lack a lot of the facilities and most of the waste and the plastic waste actually from the US and Europe are shipped to China. China was the biggest um, uh, country import or importing um, plastic and also uh, countries like India or Asian countries because they have cheap labor and these people which are mostly women work on that sorting and segregation of plastic and therefore there's a chance for them to be recycled otherwise it's a pain to just you know have a pack of plastic and it's different colors different materials all packed together and you need to know what kind of plastic should go to what kind of um, cycling recycling facility mm. Yeah. And Tony, you said, I think, was it 16% of plastic is recycled to made into new plastic? But I've, mm-hmm. I've read that it's like 30 to 40 million tonnes of plastic waste is produced every year. Wow. So that's quite a lot of plastic to be shipping around the world to go and recycle it. I wonder how, how useful it is. What are the emissions, CO2 emissions from that shipping? Yeah. <laughs> Side point. But I mean, plastic isn't all bad, right? So I'm, I'm sitting in a room that has plastic pipes going to the heating system and plastic frames for the windows. So I see quite a lot of plastic around me that is useful and it's going to be there for a long time. All right. Do you have a, a, a plastic water bottle as well? Not in this room. Just <laughs> <laughs> making sure that you're not using plastic water bottles, that's all. <laughs> no, um, we do get... Um, oh, actually, I lied. I do have a plastic bottle in this room, but it wasn't for water. Okay. <laughs> it was for orange juice. And the alternative is to use Tetra Pak. And Tetra Pak is not recyclable around here mm-hmm. because I think uh, Ginwa and Tony both mentioned they're composite. So it's like cardboard with a plastic layer inside it. And I'd rather just buy some plastic and recycle it than yeah. buy something that's not recyclable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was saying this is a big engineering project. I mean, I've mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes to upgrade my local water supply and get water from quite a long way away. Uh, so I keep seeing all these really big blue plastic pipes sitting in fields that are ready to be buried underground to bring that water supply to me. So the plastic is quite useful. It depends on how you use it. We sat here talking about this for maybe 10 minutes now. I guess we should really define what a plastic is. Ginwa, with your chemistry background you're the best person to define the plastic plastic uh, are made out of polymers and polymers are long chain of monomers let's say a monomer is kind of a molecule formed of atoms and this monomer is repeated in a long chain and depending on what this monomer is formed of what atoms are forming this monomer and how long the chain is. We can have different type of plastic and different properties, uh, but also the plastic doesn't only include the polymer, as I said, but also all the additives to it to change its properties and make it more durable or softer or more rigid. It depends on what we want it to be used for. Uh, so does that mean, so I think of a plastic as something that's made out of carbon, mostly. Is that not necessarily correct definition? So uh, I think it is correct to a big extent because polymers are made from fossil fuel and fossil fuel is mainly carbon. But then it depends um, 
uh, oh my god, I forgot now the, the word. Hydrocarbon? It's just like, it is hydrocarbon, but then it depends on what atom you add to it or what ramification um, uh, you have out of the main molecule. You mean like functionalization? Functionalization, exactly. <laughs> you might have to explain what functionalization is now. <laughs> I think there are only chemists that use that word in that context. I start to forget my chemistry knowledge now, being an engineering for a long time. So yeah, so they are basically hydrocarbon because they come from fossil fuel, but then they contain other atoms also, and that what makes them different. And they have different properties. They're like squiggles. On, on one of the ends, you have a hydrogen. And instead of a hydrogen, you'd swap it out for a different molecule, maybe. Like you might put oxygen in there or chlorine. I was listening to a webinar about recycling plastic into hydrogen, actually. So they're breaking it down through pyrolysis, heating it up at high temperature without oxygen. And PET is one of the most um, commonly recycled plastics, I want to say, in terms of like, you know, from a consumer perspective, all our uh, soft drink bottles are generally PET. That's actually really bad to paralyze because it's got oxygen in the molecule. And then you end up getting um, CO2 and carbon monoxide, which you then have to extract. So actually, something that we recycle really well doesn't make her such a good feedstock to make hydrogen. And you say PET. That's going to mispronounce Yes, that's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Polyethylene tetraphthalate, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're both equally meaningless, really. Unless you're a chemist and you can picture what that PET structure looks like, I guess. But yeah, there's some carbon in there and there's some oxygen as well. It's slightly more complicated than the little the squiggles. The long chains of carbons that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think um, polyethylene might be the most simple one. I think so. Yeah, that's what I'd read. So that is literally that carbon backbone with the hydrogens around it. Yeah. So it is basically hydrocarbon only, the polyethylene one. It doesn't have any hetero atom or anything like that. Yeah. People can go and look this up if they're interested. I think it's probably counterproductive us trying to describe chemical structures using audio only. Might be a good um, idea to give some examples of um, what polyethylene makes. Yeah. So polyethylene, um, you can have them in high density, medium density, low density. Um, but I think in high density, if you think of like those milk cartons, those are made out of polyethylene and plastic bags. They can be made out of polyethylene. So are they, are they high-density polyethylene plastic bags? They can be. I just find that weird because plastic bags are quite thin and they don't <laughs> sound like a dense thing, do they? <laughs> yeah, it's quite counterproductive, but yes, they can be. <laughs> I guess, yeah, if it's in a molecular level, they're probably quite dense, but not at the, the level where we can pick them up and crinkle them. <laughs> <laughs> Plastic bottles are probably the most widely recycled, right? You said they're made from PET. At this point, I would jump in with a statistic if I had one. But you don't. <laughs> Not today. Um, so, Laura, you're just saying that plastic bottles are the most widely recycled. Is that what you're saying? That people often recycle their water bottles? I believe so. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, you, say, okay. you, know, you see those bins on the street that have got like a round hole for recycling and it's like bottle sized. Uh, with a PET thing, it is widely recyclable because it is widely used and it is cheap to use and it has good properties. Therefore, there's facilities to recycle it. 
but it not, it's not because it is more recyclable than PVC, for example, but it's just because it is widely used. When we think about bottled waters from, like, from the water industry perspective, it's always a worry because we don't know how long those water bottles have been in direct sunlight for. And so they do start degrading it at some point. And when, when plastics start to like, kind of like degrade, does it become harder to recycle or does that not really affect its ability to recycle? I mean, it's not good for you to drink the water um, after it's been in direct sunlight for ages. And if the plastic bottle has been used over and over again, it does start to degrade. But does it affect its ability to recycle as well? From my understanding, degradation is just that the polymer chain is just reduced to a smaller size. But I'm not sure if the chemical composition uh, changed of the polymer. I don't expect it to, but I'm not quite sure about it. Okay. But what I know that PET are very resistant to the UV light. So uh, for the degradation of a plastic, so either it is biodegradable, it means uh, the bacteria can just kind of eat it and degrade it, or it can be exposed to the UV light from the sun and it can degrade. But I know that PET is more resistant to the UV uh, light. That's why it is used more in food packaging rather than PVC. And usually PVC is just used for, let's say, thick pipes or just rigid because it's a rigid material. So it is used for rigid kind of applications. Some some lingo we can use here is also that there's recycling post-consumer and there's recycling in the, in the manufacturer. So a lot of recycling does happen in the manufacturer because they've just got one single stream, they know what, what material they have. And so often plastic molding companies will, if the product doesn't come out so well, they can just put it back in, shred it up, melt it, reform it again. So the challenge is actually post-consumer recycling. You know, once it's gone out into the world, perhaps it has degraded under UV or been contaminated with biological things or, you know, had the additives, has paint, has um glue for packaging that kind of stuff that's that's where the uh, bigger challenge is recycling it did anyone used to try and shrink crisp packets when you were a child <laughs> no the only way i'd shrink them was because i wasn't allowed crisps that often so if i wanted more than one packet i'd shrink them up into really small small pieces and then throw them away so no one would see that but that's the only reason why i was shrinking crisp crisp packets when i was a kid <laughs> How did you shrink them, though? So I think we put ours in the microwave, but yeah, I put them put in the, them the oven as well. What happened when you put them in the microwave? They just shrink. Yeah, so a crisp packet that what be sort of the, the size of my palm would kind of shrink to yeah. maybe like the size of my thumb, but retain all the text. And still read it. <laughs> oh my god, it's like miniaturizing. <laughs> yeah, but it would go really stiff as well. Do you smell anything? Not really, because you don't put it in for too long. I would think it's a good point to like put some disclaimer in that we, should, we advise no one to do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if the crisp packet technology has <laughs> changed since I was a child. That's a weird sentence. What about the ones with like, you know, when they're reflective on the inside? Are those, uh, did you microwave those and what happened to those? Not that I remember. Um, I don't, well, maybe when I was a child, crisp packets didn't have aluminium or whatever it is on the inside of them. Because uh, I would imagine mm. if it's metallic, that would spark in a microwave, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't do this. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I really don't think we should. Tell, we should uh, 
this was something of the past and we don't, we don't <laughs> advise anyone to do it we did it on your behalf yeah maybe just watch a youtube video instead that's a bit safer <laughs> uh, i've also accidentally shrunk a plastic drinks bottle many years ago because i wasn't really thinking about it and i hadn't considered that plastic shrinks when you heat it up and i was quickly trying to sanitize it so i poured some boiling water in from the kettle oh <laughs> And then didn't have time to do anything else. I just left the house with this tiny shrunken bottle of hot water. It changed chemically as well, like when it shrinks. It got to have some emission. That's why I ask about the smell, if you smell anything. Well, so I kind of assume that because that plastic is quite thin, it's been stretched out somehow. So all the those long polymer chains have been kind of stretched and are under tension. Mm-hmm. So when it's heated up, it just gives them enough energy where they can fold back up and go squiggly but I'd be totally wrong talking about entropy isn't it yeah <laughs> going to disorder whenever they can yeah but I guess because you, you said that, that a lot of additives are put in so like polyethylene might not be just polyethylene it might be polyethylene with some other chemical to change its properties so yeah who knows like, I'm still alive after drinking out of that one so. you actually <laughs> drank it as well well, you would have just kind of gone, oh, that's weird, and then just left it. But no, you drank it. I was in a hurry, and I didn't have time <laughs> to do much else. I think someone was sitting outside in their car waiting to go quite a way down south for a meeting, so I didn't really have time. But from what I've read, like some of the additives that come out of the plastics, they come out in such small quantities that the, the, the amounts at which, or the rate at which you consume these various additives is probably okay. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you were just doing this in, in gallons and litres every hour, then you don't, I don't think you should worry about it too much. <laughs> no, my tiny shrunken bottle of hot water <laughs> slips slowly through the course of a day. It's fine. Just imagining, you you you, ha- you said you have a house and there's some plastic in it. Now I'm just imagining, like, you also have a miniature house with all the miniature things <laughs> from all the from all the <laughs> miniature crisp packets and miniature water bottles <laughs> what else are you gonna have now you've got me wondering if you make a house out of lego bricks and then stick it in the microwave <gasps> can you shrink it did you watch that movie about people shrinking to small size just to be to live in a more sustainable world kind of and then if let's say you're just kind of a normal person with the money that you have you can afford to have like luxury life if you accept to be shrink to like kind of a centimeter level oh uh, so yeah i take issue with the whole shrinking people down sci-fi thing because as we've just explained when you try and shrink a plastic it, it shrivels up and changes its <laughs> <laughs> i don't think people can be shrunk so easily and still be people but i feel like we're off topic I think that's really gone off topic now. Yeah. <laughs> Shrinking humans. But imagine how less um, feedstock we need then <laughs> to just feed them and just have a nice life. I think, yeah, we would lo- we would need m- much less resources uh, for yeah. nine for eight billions. Um, I think we're eight billion at the moment, aren't we? I think this needs another podcast, and it could be like Ginwa's kind of <laughs> <laughs> utopia. Uh-huh. Um, we, yeah, there was going to be something in here about plastic engineering and the difference between water pipes and water bottles. So what do you guys know about plastics engineering, not the shrinking of people? Oh, yeah. So um, I was I was talking about that um, a polymer engineering um, a module that I, t- that I took during my master's. And um, it was about reducing 
plastic waste by engineering new products that contain less material. So rather than thinking about recycling the material or the plastic, you can think about how to make a smaller water cup or, or a thinner water uh, cup. And that was this project, this fun project on how to reduce the size of the material, but then maintaining the property. So this is one thing we can think about when talking about plastic management, let's say, waste management. You could look at when you make a product, if you can keep it the same material. So instead of mixing different materials, so if you have a food container, you can use the, use the same base as well as the, for the lid rather than, you know, some of our food containers, they're sort of more solid bottom and then film top if we didn't have a film top and had a reusable top perhaps that would actually be a better use it might weigh more but it's more usable yeah I guess one of the things about single-use plastics is it means that until your say bottle of milk has been opened it's it's pretty because it's it's been sort of sterilized when it's packaged right and it will stay relatively sterile until you open it and expose it to the environment. So I guess that's been one of the benefits of plastics or plastic packaging over the last few years is that food lasts longer. Yeah, it's actually quite a sort of inert way to store things. Yeah, but I wonder if so if we're moving away from single-use plastics, so you'd then have, and I can't quite imagine how you do this with milk, have just like a big vat of milk with a little tap on it. So you go down to the supermarket, you just tap <laughs> off some, some milk. Maybe that was a bad example. No, it's, I think it's a good example. And I think it, um, we're not, the infrastructure isn't there yet. And so I know that there are some like small shops um, that do this, like in the UK, where you can go like with your own kind of glass bottles or whatever to like um, top up and, but it's, it's expensive. It's not, it's not available for the masses. But if I kind of like flip that and I think about other parts of the world, when my family were growing up in like in, in the Middle East, they didn't have that much plastic. So they'd go and they collect like their groceries, but not in plastics. And so I think it's it's really interesting that where we've got to and kind of going backwards is kind of really expensive. <laughs> that like actually to go back to how we used to collect our like food and, and drinks, or whatever, mm-hmm. is a really expensive process to, to go backwards. And I think just talking about plastic as not a really bad thing. I think one of the main reasons why people are talking about climate change in terms of in terms of energy rather than materials, because I don't think we found, I don't think there's an alternative uh, for plastic so far. And talking about plastic itself, um, I think it's quite environmentally friendly from one point of view. If you see it like if you want to transport, let's say, a pot of yogurt and they made out of glass, they would be much heavier and they would need much more energy to be transported rather than having 10 pots of uh, yogurt made out of uh, plastic. So it is kind of controversial in that, in that way. So it is environmentally kind of friendly, but we got to think about how to use it and how to manage it. So we sort of agreeing that it's not necessarily the plastic itself that's a problem per se it's what happens when people like us get hold of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've got to have more infrastructure into recycling I think and uh, because there's a lot of I think all of us we do a lot of effort into like reading the packages and sorting stuff into what kind of recycling bin but I'm not sure what's happening to it after after we do that effort as a consumer 
and as let's say responsible citizens. So I think the government uh, should do something about having more infrastructure that or facilities to recycle these uh, plastics. I think the challenge is economically, what is the market for recycling plastic? If we're gonna if we're gonna do that, most recyclers do it because they can sell the their recycler. So do we start adding a sort of cost to waste, like increase how much it costs to landfill? And so then people can save money by sending it to recycler because then they can get recycling credits instead of you know carbon credits or or something. I think this goes back to your point about the that it's not um you don't have plastics in their purest form like you add all these other I'm going to say all the wrong words now but all these additives and to color and etc so even if it gets to the point of recycling it's not necessarily possible and that's again just like the plastic but like we've talked about there are other things there's like films and other things that attach to the to the product so I think it's it is looking at like the designer's ability to kind of disable or dis- dis- disassemble I guess products so that's easier to, to like to to recycle mm. so like I know like in the in the water industry that's a bit different because we end up with microplastics in, in the sludge so there's a beautiful thing at the end Oh, and it's just a mixture of all these organic and inorganic sludgy kind of stuff. And and it's the case of it doesn't make financial sense for me to like try and find the microplastics in there. And once I do, what am I going to do with that? And there's a massive economic question around that. Like, what is the benefit of doing this? Is the infrastructure available at the moment for us to, to do that? At the moment, there isn't. And kind of what is the incentive to do it? I think it's it's a really difficult question because once you find the microplastics, it's like, okay, like you were talking about before, there are different varieties of plastics. So it's not an easy thing to just be like, okay, we can take them out and then put them elsewhere. It's a difficult um, thing what to do. What happens to the sludge currently? This is my question. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what do you do? So it depends. It depends. So for the wastewater kind of stream, um, we can use it as fertilizers or you can put them in digesters and, and you can make. Um, gas um so you can use the gas for energy but um or you can use this fertilizers that there's a variety of things we can do with them at the moment you don't want to put fertilizers full of microplastics though mm. out of the field yeah but if it's inert what would happen to them like it's not like the plants could use it could they or is there a chance we could put like um bacteria that eat plastics you know that's been um that's been a hot research topic about designing enzymes around what they can break down including plastic um i don't know if it gets into the plants but there are two parts of this there are other animals that can eat then like the everything around the fertilizer so they can then eat plastics and then often with fertilizers they get washed back into the river or the drains or something um, and then that goes back into the system again um, and so like when you have microplastics in in the in the water in the, in the rivers you have like the fish and everything else that they're consuming in the in the rivers. They start taking in some of the plastics. So it's definitely something I wouldn't encourage, <laughs> but I don't really know how it goes. I don't know how it can or can't go into the plants. I'm not too familiar with that. It's definitely something that we need to look into further. Though. Yeah, apparently this has been, so the area of microplastics has been investigated for almost 20 years by, it sounds like an awful lot of researchers. I guess it's worth defining what they are there. And I think less than five millimetres in length 
which to me sounds pretty big on the scale of things because I tend to work with atoms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything um, is but- bigger than a... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, when you've been simulating a box of atoms, it's like a few nanometers across for a few years. You tend to think of everything as how many atoms they're treating. Really but, but it's still not micro is it uh, five millimeters no. is not micrometer no i think um i think micro just means it's smaller than <laughs> yeah. something else it's all than relative <laughs> yeah and there's like a subclass of microplastics that's like nanoplastics and they are sort of micro scale they're one micrometer or less but not nano size they're, they're... no because because if you were nano you'd be getting down to the scale of atoms okay <laughs> But yeah, those nanoplastics, the one micrometer, the smallest stay suspended in water. So anything bigger would either sink or it would float. And if it's suspended, then that means that a whole load of other fishy things could access them. And it, it sounds like a lot of the problem is um, that they can sort of restrict how like tiny sea creatures move Aww. and it affects how they do things. It's, it, sounds, it sounds really interesting. I haven't really thought about it like this. Um, but I mean, Ali, you were saying there are lots of different compositions and lots of different ways they can get into different places. And I think that's one of the problems with the research is there are so many different types of plastic with so many different additives that may leach out that the research, even though it's been going nearly 20 years, still isn't entirely sure of what's going on. Um, it sounds like what happens in the lab probably isn't all that representative of what happens in the wider world, which... It's quite a common thing in science, I think. But apparently they are getting samples of actual plastics. And that is, I think, Gali, you said that's a big problem in itself, just finding the microplastics. Yeah. It's it's definitely a problem because um, I think we've alluded to this before. It's looking at something in a silo and it's actually a lot bigger than it is. So if I was going to start <laughs> digging away at the sludge, then we're going to find microplastics, but then I'm also going to find heavy metals. So what do I do with the heavy metals? And then what do I do with all these other different minerals and chemicals, materials that end up in the sludge? And so it's looking at how we can we kind of more holistically look at the environment and the waste that we produce. Um, I know like Redwald mentioned before about like um, movement of plastics. It's much cheaper to move things in, in when it's plastic because it doesn't actually um, cost that much in weight. So there's like there's benefits to it and like the, so your carbon emissions when it comes to like movement is, is is much smaller. And that's when we look at the environment. We can't just look at like, is this material bad or good? I think it definitely needs a more holistic way of looking at it. Because if I can start tapping away at my my sludge in my in my sewers, in my in my um wastewater treatment plants, then um then I should be looking at all the other materials I can extract and and look at it. And that maybe that's the best way to do it, but if we're going to start tapping into that, we need to understand like how we deal with all these other different materials and what's the most cost-effective way of doing this. Sounds like there's a lot of science to do, um, given given that you're talking about microplastics and sewage. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a really weird story. So I have two pet rats, and they're they're adorable, but they eat a lot of plastic. <laughs> And yeah, you know, I've trained them to do things like they'll, they'll spit on the spot for food. I've trained one of them to skateboard using a pulley. Amazing. Oh, wow. She also eats the skateboard. She doesn't eat plastic. Sometimes one, one man's waste is another man's food. Yeah. But he can't be nutritious, right? I mean, she once used to the milk bottle top because I was using that to teach her how to forage, like so hiding <laughs> a pallet of food under the top and she had to figure out how to flip it over. Um, she also stole the milk bottle top, took it into her cage. I didn't know. <laughs> ate the entire thing overnight, and then was 
pooping red plastic for a day. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> so there was me sitting, separating out, contaminated. <laughs> at least rat waste is solid. That will be disposed of responsibly. This, I don't know what to do with it. It's got microplastics in it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably use it as a fertilizer, as Galia would say. Burn it. Just, just burn it. <laughs> I don't think so. I think the conclusion is that we get Laura to all these different treatment plants across the UK. You have to sieve through all the sludge, pick out these microplastics, and and uh, yeah, we maybe burn it. Maybe that's the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah, trained rats or burning. That, that that's the future, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the rats that are pooping it out. So actually, you still need Laura to come <laughs> and separate them. <laughs> it's just Laura. Laura needs to go around just just attacking those that sludge. I'm the solution to wade through how many, <laughs> what volume of sludge do you want me to wade through? I don't even know how many tons, tons and tons. No. Um, I can't see that. Good luck. The, the one time <laughs> I've been to a waste treatment plant, it, the smell, I'm, I've got quite a strong stomach normally, but that smell was unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very polite way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think me wading through sludge is a feasible solution. Thanks, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it <laughs> how many lauras would it take <laughs> but we still don't know what to do with it once we find these microplastics what are we doing with them but we know we've got it out of the sludge at least that's true that's true one step at a time yeah moving away from from laura's um next career move wading through the sludge i think it's quite clear though that we we realize that there are limits to looking at plastics as the the solution to so many things and Plastics have really helped us get to where we are, are are at the moment. It's just now kind of understanding really like what is the best way to to manage plastics. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing around single use plastics is plastic lasts for hundreds of years. Um, so what's the point in using something? So going back to my orange juice of consuming the orange juice and then throwing that bottle away. And I recycle that, but is there something better you could do than just recycling? Could I just take it back somewhere and get it refilled and then re-sterilized? Would that make more sense? You know, when we used to have um, glass bottles for milk, the milk bottles would get collected, you refill it. And it's single use. It only ever gets used. Uh, sorry, I don't mean single use in that sense. <laughs> it gets used one time. It only has one purpose. So do we start getting loads of things that have a singular purpose? Or do we want our plastic to, to be able to make new products? But I think this is the whole thing about the fossil fuel industry, isn't it? They want a single use plastic because they are producing a lot and they want to consume it and especially now like the fossil fuel industry is shifting towards a lot of facilities of producing plastic because they know the world is going towards more sustainable source of energy so probably the use of fossil fuel as a source of energy wouldn't be the one for the future so there's a lot of new industries just to make plastic so what we're going to do with all that plastic if we're going to use the plastic that we already have and recycle it. I think it's not beneficial economically for these industries. So there's a clash over here between like environment and benefit of these big fossil fuel industries and where we want to stand, I think. I think there's still an argument to be had about whether or not we need, we should dig up these fossil fuels out of the ground because not only do we burn them and then produce CO2, if we don't 
extract them in the most efficient way, then we actually accidentally leak methane into the air, which has even higher global warming potential mm. on a shorter time frame. So should we just leave it in the ground? We also have to go to various places to, to extract it, you know, the damage that we could do to the environment in, in that process, is it worth it? Do we, or do we continue our research into biological sources for plastic making? Ooh, maybe that can be a future podcast episode, alternative yeah. production methods for plastics that don't involve fossil fuels. Yeah. Also, we, we've not really touched on biodegradable plastic. What happens? Do they just break down into the organic compounds or? Yeah, theoretically they do. But because of all the additives to make them have a new properties, I don't think the um, enzyme or the bacteria can digest them the same way. They digest a raw kind of biodegradable plastic or polymer, let's say. So just imagine like um, if you take a piece of a tree, which is a cellulose polymer. So basically that can be degraded very well in the environment because the enzyme or the bacteria is going to digest it very easily. But then if you take that, put it uh, in a high concentration of uh, caustic uh, solution to just take the polymer out and then functionalize it. Research is saying it's not as easy for the bacteria to reach out to that uh, polymer or plastic and digest it the same way. So does it need a particular bacterium to digest it? Or a particular enzyme from a bacterium. There is like special bacteria that eat special kind of polymer. Like a polyethylene tetase or something. <laughs> yeah, they said that there's new enzymes or bacteria that can degrade PET and uh, PVC PVC. Oh, so does that mean that you could set you could set this bacterium on the window frames in my house <laughs> and eat my window frames? Because that doesn't sound like a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, be sure it doesn't eat something else, though. <laughs> yeah. I think we have already all the plastic feedstock we want for the coming 50 years if we just recycle everything and reuse it. We don't need more. That's an amazing fact. Mm. But that is not happening for a reason. Do we have enough energy to do it? Well, we're having the energy to produce a fossil uh, fuel in the first place, and we have the, the energy and the money to... To make the plastic itself so why not uh, that is one of the things i'd read that it, it requires more energy to recycle than it does to make yeah. them fresh but i don't know how true that is i see yeah it might be i think it's a mm. i don't think it's black and white as that that's a general conclusion of most of our discussions is plastic good or bad like it's not that black it's not black and white is it <laughs> No, but I think any plastic that's designed for long-term use, like the, those water pipes that are being buried in the fields near me, they, yeah. they can last for, you say, was it like 100 years or something? Decades, yeah. Whereas, again, the single-use plastic, that, well, even plastic bottles, you, you use it once, but it'll still persist for like 100 years, which I guess is why microplastics are of so much interest, because they're out in the environment and they're difficult to get back. But they're going to be there for a while. We don't really know what they're going to do. If you look at the plastic, for example, in the medical sector, it's, it's quite useful for hygienic purposes let's say now with the covid all these reuse or not reusable a single use like the ppe but what do we do with all that you know we we have to incinerate it because it's hazardous waste 
So yeah, yeah, plastic. It is a good thing in other industries rather than the food industry. In the food industry, because we have a lot of packaging. And that's exactly the point. I think there are so many benefits to plastics. Like you said, when I do my like lateral flow tests for to see if I've ever got COVID or not, I don't want anyone else to ever have to deal with that. And it's and it's easy to then you can go and incinerate it. And but I think it's definitely it's definitely useful for a lot of industries. And I guess it's just trying to work out how can we manage the waste. Yeah, and I guess that's probably quite a good summary of the conversation so that means I don't have to sum up which is great because <laughs> <laughs> I am starting to lose my voice uh, I'm pretty sure I'm getting a cold so I think we'll probably leave it there because my voice is really starting to go okay that's, yeah you should probably <laughs> stop speaking <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> you know it's really interesting to say if you've enjoyed this episode you can find us on twitter you can leave a comment on this episode or we do have an email address and that will be in our podcast description somewhere so you can get in contact with us if you want to ask us any questions or tell us we've said something immensely wrong and you have to correct oh <laughs> the views expressed in this podcast belong entirely to the person that said them they do not represent any industry or organization if you enjoyed listening to these views it would really help us out if you could rate us leave a review and tell a friend this podcast was sponsored by no one but if you're interested in funding us to continue to have frank discussions about science and engineering please get in touch